0: This morning, I am beginning a new sermon series on the book called The Acts of the Apostles. As we read through these early chapters of Acts, it is my hope that we will discover a little bit more about what it means to be the body of Christ, and that we will be inspired by their actions to take greater acts of faithfulness ourselves. This morning we're reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 29 through 42. Hear now the word of the Lord. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on his throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love the opening line of Dante's Inferno, the first book in his famous trilogy. Midway along the journey of life, I woke to find myself in a dark wood, for I had wandered off from the straight path. It's so easy to do, isn't it? to wander off the straight path in life to places we really shouldn't be. I mean, the world around us is constantly tempting us one with one thing after another, luring us into those dark places, from drugs to gambling to pornography to sex to video games to sports to money to popularity. I mean, the list goes on and on. Of course, the trouble with being in that dark wood is not only that we might get even more lost trying to find our way home, but that we will grow accustomed to the darkness. And so often, we are not even aware of the growing darkness around us, or even that we've become lost at all. You know, when children are young, there are many things that have the ability to strike fear in their hearts scary stories, big dogs, clowns, the darkness, lightning storms, presidential elections. But there are a few things that can frighten a child like the prospect of getting lost. Not knowing where you are, Not knowing where your family is, not knowing how to find your way home, it can fill their hearts with terror. Yes, children understand all too well the danger of getting lost. Of course, there's more ways in life to get lost than just physically. We can also become lost emotionally, perhaps as a result of grief or mental illness or trauma or abuse. But according to scripture, there is nothing quite as devastating or as deadly as becoming lost spiritually, not recognizing your distance from God, not realizing that you have wandered off the straight path, not aware that your soul is in danger. After all, if you don't realize that you are lost, then you have no need to find your way home. You have no need for a savior. In the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve were tempted to play God and reach beyond their created limits by eating of the forbidden fruit, they were driven out of paradise where they had lived in communion with God. Ever since, humanity has wandered east of Eden trying to find our way back home. As we read through the Bible, in many ways, it is the story of a people who are determined to look for home just about anywhere other than the God who created them. As they continue to wander off the straight path into the dark wood of disobedience and idolatry, violence and greed, self-righteousness and injustice. And despite the, the prophet's warnings attempting to, to wake them up and, and get them to recognize the growing darkness, Israel remained very lost. But then one day, John the Baptist appeared at the Jordan River proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, if you recall, the word repentance in Greek is metanoia, which literally means a change of mind or thinking. But in its practical use, it meant just to to turn around. You're going in one direction. You stop, turn around, and start going another way. And John was calling the people to wake up, to to confess their sins, and to turn their lives back towards God, because his Messiah was on the way, and when he arrived, he was going to start taking names. But then one day Jesus appeared at the Jordan River, and he has submitted himself to being baptized by John. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and then led out in the wilderness where he was tested by Satan for 40 days. But because he remained in such intimate communion with his Father through the Holy Spirit, he never got lost along the way. When Jesus returned, he began proclaiming that the kingdom of God had come near and he called the people to repent and believe in the good news. Well, there it is again turn around, repent, change course. Of course, the religious leaders did not take too kindly to being told that they had to do anything to get themselves right with God. After all, they had that down to a science. But as Jesus kept trying to explain to them, nothing will prevent you from making it home to God like refusing to admit that you were lost. And as Jesus made clear in His parable about the Father and His two lost sons, you can be in church your whole life and be just as lost as the degenerate out on the streets or the atheist who has never darkened a church's door. But that did not go over well with the authorities. And so they nailed Him to a cross, trying to silence this one who himself was the way home. Well, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he he commanded disciples to remain there in Jerusalem until they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, a, a spiritual bonfire erupted in their midst giving them all the ability to, to speak in, in different languages, which raised a lot of questions by all the people who were passing by. And in response to those questions, Peter went out and started preaching, telling them that this, this was the, the, the promise pouring out of God's Spirit as had been foretold in their scriptures. And, and this Jesus himself was the, the promised and long-awaited Messiah, the Son of David, the same Jesus whom their leaders had crucified, but who had been raised from the dead and exalted to the right hand of God. When the people heard this, the text tells us that they were all cut to the heart. And they asked Peter, what should we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. I'm beginning to sense a theme here. Perhaps it's because we still haven't gotten the point. The truth is, one of the hardest things for any of us to admit is that we are lost, especially for us guys. I remember several years ago, my son James and I went on a a men's retreat a couple hours from our home outside Pittsburgh. And when we left on Saturday evening so I could be back for church Sunday morning, I decided that I did not need my GPS to make it back to the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I was sure I could remember the way. Well, after a little while, I made what I believed to be a correct left turn and went zooming down an empty road eager to get home. But the longer I was on that road, the less familiar it seemed and the darker it was becoming. So eventually I realized I had a decision to make. I could choose to continue on what was possibly the wrong road, sure that I couldn't possibly have made a mistake, or I could admit that I was lost and seek help for the journey home. And despite my pride at being an excellent navigator, I finally turned on that GPS and discovered that I was lost in a dark wood nowhere near where I was supposed to be. And so I humbly set that GPS for home and that annoying know-it-all voice immediately said, make a (laughs) U-turn. Well, there it is. Turn around. Repent. Stop racing in the wrong direction. Let go of your pride and your your self-sufficiency, and admit that you are lost. Make a U-turn and receive help for the journey home. You know, part of our problem is that we we have such a hard time uh, accepting any help. We we, we keep wanting to fix everything ourselves. In fact, we, we think that we don't actually need any help at all. There's nothing wrong with us in the first place. That's certainly what our culture keeps trying to tell us. I mean, life is really all just about making choices, we are told. You can construct a life and an identity for yourself through your choices. Just choose who or what you want to be. Any choice is as good as any other, as long as it works for you. And if you come across something you don't happen to like, well, just make a different choice and voila! You've got a whole new life, a whole new you. But you know, you can waste your fleeting years trying to choose your way to the right life. And it is in this manic attempt to construct our own lives that we inevitably become lost along the way. For as long as we are infected by sin, and we all are, We will continue to make choices that pull us away from the straight path, away from God and His good will for our lives, away from the home that we were created for. But on the day that you were baptized, the church declared that the most important choice in your life had already been made, and it was made by Jesus. And it is He alone who can tell you who you really are, because He's the one who created you. And in your baptism, He claimed you as His own and named you as a beloved child of God with whom God is well pleased. That's who you really are. And Jesus is calling you to repent and to receive help for the journey home. After all, none of us can make it on our own. That's why Jesus has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that we can be guided and empowered and not get lost along the way. But it is a gift that can be neglected. Just as that GPS could not help me if I never turned it on. Neither can the Spirit help us if we don't take the time to seek the Spirit's power and guidance in our lives. Of course, to make it on that straight path home, forgiveness is also necessary. For as long as we are carrying around baggage from our past, it will weigh us down and prevent us from finding the way. Now we all need forgiveness if we're going to make that long journey home. And in our baptisms, that is just what we're promised. Jesus has already dealt with all of our sins, as well as all the sins of those who have wronged us. And He's calling us to turn away from our guilt, from our hurt, from our scorekeeping, and our futile attempts at trying to clean up our lives on our own and instead turn towards Him who alone can make our lives right. See, the reason we get baptized is not so we can show that we've, we've cleaned up our act and, and, and fixed up our lives on our own as if we could. And we get baptized because we know that Jesus has already done the work for us. As I said last Sunday, it is His work that truly matters, not ours. And because of what Jesus has done, your sins have been washed away. Your past no longer needs to control your present. A future filled with hope has been opened up before you because Jesus has already made the choice that mattered most in your life. And on the cross, Jesus chose you. This is why Peter told the people to repent, to make a a U-turn in their lives and in their understanding of Jesus. For he was not just a great teacher or a role model or a godly man. He's not an optional part of our faith, just a helpful tool to make it easier to think about God. No, Jesus is God in the flesh who's come into the dark wood to find us and show us the straight path home. And He's not only given us His own Spirit, but He's made us a part of His body, the church, to help us on the journey. Again, none of us can make it on our own. We need our brothers and sisters. We need our church family to teach us and to encourage us and to hold us accountable and to remind us of who we really are rather than who the world keeps telling us we are. This is why those first Christians devoted themselves to worshiping together and studying together and praying together and eating together. Their lives had all been turned toward the risen Savior who had found them in the dark wood. And they knew they needed one another to make the journey home. And they were determined to make it together. I wonder, is anyone here this morning racing in the wrong direction in life? Is anyone here this morning lost in a dark wood, having wandered off from the straight path? Is anyone here this morning knocking yourself out, trying to get life just right? Anyone here need to make a U-turn? Well, if so, then you've come to the right place. After all, the church is nothing more than those who were once lost but who have turned their lives toward the Savior, who has called them out of the darkness, washed away their sins, and given them a new spirit and a new life. And He wants to do the same for you. It doesn't matter how lost you become in your futile attempts to construct a life for yourself. All you have to do Is repent to turn away from the illusion that you can save yourself with all of your right choices and instead turn towards Jesus who has already chosen you. And he is just dying to lead you home. Amen.